Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Somebody say amen one time. Y'all sound good this morning. Uh, Ladies, good job bringing your husbands today because we're going to straighten them out. Guys, good job bringing your wives today because, well, y'all are in trouble. Never mind. (laughs) Love for real. What does the Bible say about love? What does the Bible indicate about love? You see, so oftentimes it gets kicked around like like a catchphrase or an idea. And somebody thinks, because I said I love you, that somehow masks everything they just said. Like when somebody opens a conversation like this, no offense, but (laughs) I never like those conversations because the next thing coming probably means it would offend me. But then they believe that because they said no offense, you can get by with whatever else you want to say. I remember one time I knew a guy growing up uh, and and um, this is not really a funny story, but I feel like telling it. I knew a guy growing up, and uh, his, his mom was a real hard person, hard. And, and she, would, um, you know, she would whip the boys really bad, really bad. And then she would make them tell her, I love you, in that moment. And I never forget how that made me feel, because I come from a very good family, that, and they're a good family too, by the way. But I come from a very good family that, Love was never in question. I never wondered if my parents loved me. I never, anything like that. And I remember seeing that thinking, that's not love at all. That's not love at all to force somebody into something. That's not love. That's not even almost love. So let's find out this morning what the Bible says about love. Love for real. Love is a four-letter word along with several other four-letter words. Oftentimes it will get you in trouble. It will, it will make you do something you wouldn't normally do. I remember whenever Crystal and I, we were dating maybe, I don't know, uh, I don't know, we'd been, we'd been dating for six months or so, and she lived down at Lamarck. By the way, my in-laws are here, Robert and Cheryl Johnson. Give them a hand. Tell them you love them. All the way from Hitchcock, Texas, powerful couple. Uh, I was down there, and we would go on dates in that area, so it was Galveston, it was South Houston, it was Kima, those kind of areas, and we were at Kima Boardwalk one time, and I was just, I, I hum a lot, I whistle a lot, I, I'll sing a song if, not, if I don't think anybody's listening, and so I was just kind of walking along, and, and there was a song, maybe I heard it, you know, on, on one of the stereo systems that was going, it's kind of a carnival scene, and, and there's a song that says, uh, baby, baby, I get down on my knees for you. So I'm just walking along, and I'm probably holding her hand because I'm so proud to have this pretty blonde girl walking with me. And, and I said, baby, baby, I get down on my knees for you. And she stopped. She said, so do it. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. I said, baby, it's a song, okay? She said, well, I mean, you just said you'll get down on your knees for me. So, I mean, get down on your knees. So I'm sitting there, and there's a lot of people. I probably don't know uh, uh, the people, nor will I ever see them again. But there I was on my knees, at, or on my knee at Kima. Everybody probably thought I was proposing, but I was just singing a song. She said, yeah, sing that song to me. I get down on my knees for you. Love will make you do crazy things. 
I would drive from Beaumont, Texas, where I was in school. Uh, I would get out of class sometimes at 7, 8 o'clock, and I would drive to the Johnson's house, uh, and I would, I would go, and we would go out to dinner, and we would watch a movie or something, and then I would sleep on, the, on their couch, and I would, we'd go to bed really late, and I would sleep on their couch, and then I would uh, get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and drive back to Beaumont on about 30 or 45 minutes sleep, because love will make you do just different things. Love will change your perspective on things. I remember uh, a different kind of love. Uh, I wasn't really a hugger. I, I never really liked hugging people. And then my little girl came around. And all I can do is hug her. I just want to hug her all the time. It's, a, it's an overwhelming thing. So love will change you. Love is one of the greatest components uh, that the world has that we can access. And it's a kingdom element of God, of who He is. And if you can find out what it really is... You can live the abundant life. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is the most unique characteristic of God of everything else. The Bible says this as love. It says, for this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Before we could ever come to the reality of whether or not we're going to choose God or not, He chose us. You see, with your spouse, with your children, with your co-worker, with your cousin, with your sister-in-law, whoever it is, you ought to be on target. You ought to be in goal. It ought to be your overwhelming goal and, and the thing you're trying to do to be the first to love first. You see, so many times we get to the place where we're sitting there, and here's how you know you're starting to get off track. I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe she hung up the phone on. I can't believe the boss man talked to me like that. I can't believe my sister-in-law didn't drive 1,800 miles for my 17-year-old's birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. I can't believe they did that to me. The minute you get into the me category, you can pretty much guarantee you have bypassed love because love has nothing to do with you. It has the idea of saying, before they did anything, I loved them. Your husband and wife. In my household, it's really hard to do because my wife is like a saint. She glows in the morning. She wakes up and holiness just drips off of her. So anytime that I say something that I wish I had said it a different way, I'm trying to apologize. And before I can say, baby, I wish I hadn't said that so quick to you, she's going, it's okay. I forgave you before you even said it. I'm like, oh my gosh. But it makes it where hot coals, swim a river, whatever she wants, whatever she needs, I will do, not because she has the, not because I have the ability to love her, but because she first loved me. We've got to get good at being first. We've got to get good at going after it 
like we did whenever we were 16 and 18 years old, whenever they first came into our eyes, or 20 or 30, or however old you are, when you first see them, whenever you first see that child, you've got to remember the love that poured out of you and fell over onto them when they're 13 and they look at you and say, no, I'm not going to do that. It doesn't mean that you ignore sin or an area that they need guidance and correction and even discipline. doesn't mean that at all, but it means that you first love them. I hate you, Mom. Well, I love you, baby, and that will never change. Now go to your room. (laughs) It's different when you live for God. Our rule book changes. The difference in our life is overwhelming. We don't love like the world loves. We don't love like Vogue magazine loves. Did you see that daddy just hand that baby to that mama? I tell you what. I was talking to somebody this morning about the difference between a mom and a dad. I love you. That's exactly what I'd have done. It's about a probably texture. My wife been in children's church. You got to get the baby. I'm preaching. I was talking to somebody this morning. I said, you want to know how how, the difference between a mama and a daddy? Grapes. So what do you mean? My wife peels grapes <laughs> for my little girl. I said, what are you doing? She said, she doesn't like the skin. I said, bless God, she'd eat the skin if I wanted. And then my little girl looked at me and said, daddy will peel that grape. You don't worry about it. Mom will peel grapes. She picks the marshmallows out of the Lucky Charms for one kid because one kid likes them, the other one doesn't. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's a mama. That's a difference. That's why, if, if at all possible, they, they carry the baby out. But anyway, love for real. We don't live by the same rule book. We don't live by the same attitude and idea because an attitude and an idea, uh, Vogue magazine, MTV, and all the other fairy tales and movies that are out there, they tell you if you have the most chocolate, if you buy the prettiest flower, if you take them to the right hotel, if you do this, if you do that, if you wear the right suit, if you don't wear the right suit, if you wear the right shirt, if you have the right shoes, girls, if you have the right perfume, the right lipstick, if Mary Kay visits your house, six times a day if you get all these things right then you will find love love has nothing to do with any of those things they're enhancements no doubt about it nothing wrong with painting the barn all I'm telling you is love for real goes first all the time Jesus chose you long before you chose him Jesus hung on a tree beaten, battered, bruised, and bloody, gave his last breath saying, Father, forgive them, not knowing if you would say yes. Not understanding whether or not you would reciprocate that overwhelming love that he has for you because the Bible says that love is this. I first love you. And Jesus said this, These things and greater shall you do. So when you're in a relationship, maybe it's husband, wife, maybe it's uh, friend, neighbor, whatever. You've got to get good at ignoring the opportunity to be offended for the sake of love. Nothing else. Nothing more. You don't need anything for it. Nobody's looking for a badge. Nobody's looking for somebody to give you a t-shirt that says you forgave your neighbor before they forgave you. Nobody's looking for any of those things. Matter of fact, if you do those things, they're going to be exposed uh, sooner or later. You're going to get before God and He's going to say, listen, I really appreciate the fact that you had a nice car and that you live like this. But here's the thing. When you forgave your wife, 
Everything changed in your relationship. Because you started to act like I act towards you. The scripture says, husbands, love your wife as Christ, Jesus, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, none of our wives would ever do anything wrong. But if they were, you're called to act like Jesus acts by saying, Father, forgive her. She doesn't know what she's doing. Now, ladies, I know y'all know what you're doing, okay? So you just, you just put that aside. You, you don't get to look at him with those big doe eyes and go, I don't know what I'm doing. You know. But if you'll get good, if you'll get good at being first, you can experience the best. Amen? Open your Bible to 1 John, chapter number 4. 1 John, chapter number 4. We're going to begin reading in verse number 7. not going to read too much, but we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. All the counterfeits of love are overwhelming. All the counterfeits of love are from the enemy of God. You see, the devil's always trying to present a counterfeit of everything. For instance, drunkenness. The Bible doesn't say don't get drunk. It says don't get drunk with wine. Don't get drunk with alcohol. It's not saying that we shouldn't be intoxicated. So what you have is you have one version of drunkenness where the Bible says be drunk in the spirit. And then it says don't be drunk with wine or with alcohol. So when you get to the place where you're drunk with wine or alcohol... And I don't know if you've ever been drunk, but maybe you've seen somebody that's been drunk. Generally speaking, at least the first few phases of it, everything just gets a little bit better. You get cooled off, you get calmed down, the stress level goes down, you want to be friends with everybody. Now granted, there's other people, I guess, that, that, that maybe not, that, that's not the case. But generally speaking, whenever somebody's starting to get drunk, they start to just chill out. They get happier. The reason people become alcoholics a lot of times is because they're so, so stressed out and that alcohol relieves the stress for a little while. That's why God said, don't be drunk this way, be drunk this way. Because the characteristics of being drunk in the spirit are the same. You start to like people more. You become a more likable person. Somebody walks in and you're smiling at them and they're going, what's wrong with you? You say, man, I'm drunk. What do you mean you're drunk? I'm drunk in the spirit. I love the Lord. He's been so good to me, but you got a flat tire, but I got three full ones. Everything just gets better when you get intoxicated in God. So the devil presents these these fabrications and these counterfeits of what God has established. And it's the same thing with love. So it's important for us to understand what is love in God's eyes and not love in the devil's eyes. Because the better you get at understanding God, the better you get at being His light and His beacon in this world. Amen? First John chapter number 4 verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loves, he that loveth not, he that doesn't love, knoweth not God. For God is love. Don't ever listen to somebody that tells you God's angry with you. That God wants to cast you away into bitter darkness and all those other things that doesn't quantify it with the fact that Jesus 
propitiated that for those who will choose them. There is truth to hell. There is truth to separation from God. But it is not good news to just tell somebody that God wants to separate you. God does not want to separate you. God so longs to be in relationship with you that He let His own Son die for you. So God, in fact, is love. So if you want to know what God is, L-O-V is what God is. Verse number 9 says this, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here's the verse I quoted earlier. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. Not that your wife did everything right. Not that your husband did everything right. Not that your sister-in-law did everything right. Not that everybody in your life has it figured out. Not that your boss pays you what you should be paid. Not that your neighbor, uh, you know, cuts the right spot close to your yard and doesn't go over too far or too less. Not because everybody's got everything figured out and is pacifying your crazy list of what you expect from creation to do for you. But it's because He loved us. He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The payment, the pardon, the thing that separates. Uh, judgment from yourself, the thing that changes everything for you. So from the same sense that God sends His Son, you're called to send your forgiveness before forgiveness is asked for. If you can be that, your relationships go from a zero to a ten. If you can be that, you can see God move in your life in a way that you've only heard of or maybe even not heard of. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand time and time again. Both sets of my grandparents were married more than 50 years. My parents have been married for, I'm 20, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm 30, I'm 32, so y'all been married for, I don't know. How long have y'all been married? 39 years right there. That's worth clapping for, honestly. 39 years. It's been harder on my mom than my dad, I promise you. That's a joke. Along the way, there's a place where you have to decide, I'm going to be the one that forgives first. I'm going to be the one that changes first. Because it's the definition of love. This is love. Herein is love. One translation says it this way. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son, and He became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. When's the last time you decided, I'm going to lay on the altar for my relationship? Some of you might be there now. Did you know you don't have to wait till the 11th hour to do it? It can be a daily thing. You can be so close with your spouse... You can be so close with a loved one that literally you begin to feel when there is a subtle change and you don't recognize when you walk in and all your clothes are on the back porch. You can make minor adjustments in the good times and maintain the good times. Like when you're driving your car. You could even be on cruise control, but you've still got to adjust that steering wheel all the way. Don't want to get too close to this line. Don't want to get too close to that line. Listen to me. Don't wait until you're in the ditch to try to fix everything. It's a maintenance issue 
more than it is a repair issue. Wherever you are, some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard teaching like this. You've never heard anybody say that you're supposed to give, forgive your husband and forgive your wife and forgive your sister-in-law first. You may have never heard any of that kind of stuff. And wherever you are, it's the perfect time to start. But others of you, you have a great relationship. You love your husband. You love your wife. You're moving along. But listen to me. The devil is a subtle serpent that comes in everywhere he can get trying to destroy relationships. Especially with godly people. The Bible says this in Song of Solomon, chapter number 2. If you have your Bible, it's worth turning there. Song of Solomon, chapter number 2. Song of Solomon, chapter number 2 and verse number 15. See, here's how we lose it. Here's how we miss it. Here's how we miss the mark. Galatians 5 and 22 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now that word law in the Greek is the word nomo, N-O-M-N-O-M-O. comes from the word nemo, which is an orange fish that lives in the ocean. comes from the word nemo, which means to parcel out. So if you were a cattleman, if you were a, if you were a, a farmer... You would have a piece of land and you would have cows on it and you would say, okay, cows, you guys get to eat these five acres right now and I'm going to let the other five acres grow. And then whenever y'all have eaten this, then I'm going to put you over onto this other parcel and you can graze this portion. What this is saying is the fruit of the spirit that God wants us to live the joy of the Lord out of, there is no restriction on it. There's no parceling of it. It is an overwhelming access that he gives carte blanche to you and to me so that we can live the abundant life, have the relationships that Jesus has paid for, and begin to continue to go from glory to glory instead of being caught and, and, and always trying to be hitting fences and say, well, I've got a certain amount of peace in my life, now I can't have any more. No, that's not how it is with God. Wherever you're starting in this process, there is no limit to where you can go in the process. There's no limit to what God wants to give you. Now, in, in, in biblical days, there was not Duncan Hines. There was not Nestle Toll House cookies. So uh, for, for them to enjoy good things, sweet things, most of the time it was fruit. That's why he would say things like that. The sweetness of the kingdom of God is, is wrapped up and bound in the fruit of the Spirit. The sweetness of a relationship is wound up and tied up in a bow called love. It's wound up and tied up in joy. How many of you know a relationship's just better when everybody's got joy on the inside of them? When you walk in the house and you can tell something's wrong, you can tell the kids are in trouble, or you can tell your wife had a bad day, or your husband walks in, you can tell he's got a problem. It's not near as good because joy's left the building. The fruit of peace changes everything. That means you get the understanding that the two of you together are committed to one another, and whether you end up in a ditch, at least you'll be in the ditch together. There's a peace in that. At least at nighttime, we'll have a warm body to snuggle up to. Matt and Tiffany's heat went out four times this week. They had to sleep with their little girls all snuggled up. I said, maybe I should turn the heat off in our house. (laughs) My kids are getting old. They don't always like to do that. Long-suffering. This is the fruit of God. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Temperance. That means when you know what to say to get their goat, you do not. That means when, can I just say this? 
That means you lose the right to ever say, well, I've just got a bad temper. Because the Bible says a fruit of the Spirit that you have access to is temperance. If you want to love for real, if you want to be steady in a relationship, remember going steady. If you want to be steady in a relationship, these are the fruits that make them, that make the relationship sweet. Meekness, faith, goodness, gentleness. Oh, guys, get gentle. Ladies, if you're known for being brash, get unknown for it. This is the Bible. Just be gentle. Don't be known for being a bully. I always get my way. I've never lost an argument. Shame on you. I've never won an argument. I always get my way. I always that. I, 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 I. But this is love. Not that I got my way. But long before I ever made any decision, he chose to send his son to attempt to bridge the gap. Did you know saying I'm sorry doesn't always mean you're wrong? It just means you value the relationship more than you value being right. Some of you ought to just say I'm sorry. Maybe not to your husband or your wife, but somebody. You ought to just call them. I'd call them today. Don't wait either. I'd call them when you get out of here. So listen, I love you. I'm sorry. Because if we're going to be known for something, we're going to be known for love. That's what God's known for. It's the sweetness. Anytime you see fruit in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the sweetness, the savoriness of something. Because fruit wasn't necessarily necessary. You could take an old piece of flat pita bread that they would make over there. Put some apple butter on it. It's better. I know you're not supposed to talk about food when church is almost over. Apple butter. The fruit of the Spirit. It's what changes everything. If you want to be married, now's the time to prepare. You don't sharpen your sword on the day of the battle. You keep it sharp. You work on it. You find a craftsman that knows more about sharpening swords than you do. And you say, can you show me how to sharpen this sword? Because one day I'm going to need it. One day I'll have that husband. One day I'll have that wife. One day I'll be in that relationship. And I need to get prepared now. Fruit of the Spirit is what changes everything. The fruit of the Spirit, the sweetness of God is wrapped up in these things. Song of Solomon chapter number 2. Closing with this. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now that's written in, in Old King James. I'm going to read that in the New English translation. Catch the little foxes, they ruin the vineyards. When the vineyard is in bloom, they destroy the fruit. Patience, meekness, temperance, love, gentleness. We have a great Pyrenees dog named Rose. She's about that tall. She's one year old. She's 100 pounds, give or take. 
we have a Jack Russell Terrier that is 9 or 10 years old. And he's that big. If Rose were to ever come into the house, which she wouldn't, it would be very obvious if she was trying to steal food off the table because she's ginormous. She would knock a chair over. The kids would see her. The other thing is we would smell her because once a week she gets sprayed by a skunk like it's her job. It's disgusting. But that little dog would just be sitting there, kids go to bed, be watching TV, have a cake sitting on the table, maybe some pudding. And you don't even hear that little sucker. He'd get up off his little bed. He's got his own bed. Tick, 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 tick. Walk through the house. Get up on the table, kitchen table. Eat the cake. Walk off the table. Go back and lay down. And we didn't even know he was doing it. It's not the big things that ruin relationships. We would recognize if Rose was trying to, my goodness, she'd smell up the house. But little Duke, the little fox, he'll just sneak in unaware. Climb up on the table. You don't even recognize it. I'm sitting here holding crystal flowers. I tell you what, you got a man, don't you? <laughs> Not really. Sitting there watching TV, watching them dig gold out of the ocean. Those guys are crazy. Y'all ever seen that show? While that little fox is coming and pulling and ruining all the sweetness in our home. You see, it's the little comments you make that start to make a small crack, which eventually splits the foundation that the whole thing. Is built on. Guys, let's be first in loving. That's the definition. Effectively, the definition is, is God did it first. Therefore, we have the ability to love Him back. If you're both trying to be first, it makes for the most beautiful race at gentleness. Race for kindness. Race for meekness. Race for temperance. Race for faith. How does that sound? When one gets down, the other one goes up. When one says, I don't understand, I don't believe, the other one says, thank God we have the Bible. We don't have to understand it, but we certainly believe it, and we'll stand on it until Jesus comes back. It's this give and take. We're going to continue this series Wednesday. We're going to get a lot more specific on, on marriage on Wednesday nights, guys. Uh, it's going to be real specific uh, on the role of a husband, the role of a wife. This more of a broad brush, if you will. Let's get good at being first. And lastly, and the most important, don't look for a nuclear bomb. You'll know when that goes off. Be looking all the time. For the little foxes that steal the fruit in your relationship.
Could you stand to your feet, please? I'm done teaching. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. 